0: Hello everyone, join me, a small medium at large, as we explore the world of spirit, energy, tarot, mediumship, psychic abilities, angels, oracles, paranormal activity and basically anything downright spooky. If any, some or all of those things interest you, then you've come to the right place my friends. I'm Melanie Mahmood and welcome to the Spirit Level Podcast. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Spirit Level Podcast and what a week we've got in store, especially astrologically. It's the full moon in Aries on Wednesday the 20th and this marks the new astrological year. So happy new year folks and so this full moon, the hunter moon, is very, very important. Any manifestation and intention work done on this full moon will set the tone for the whole of the next 12 months. You can still get in on the action, even when this episode goes out on Sunday the 24th. That's how powerful this moon is. I'm going big and hooking up with our beloved friend Maria Athalie at the Love Shack again for a full moon circle ceremony and lots of energy work, and I can't wait... Finally, Mercury goes direct from the 18th. That's today as we're recording, Monday. Thank the heavens, because I don't know about you, this retrograde has been truly trying. Messages have got lost in the ether. Many wires have been crossed. Servers have given up the ghost. The internet's been haywire and there's some very heavy shadow work that has been done and gone through and old negative patterns of behaviour shed which can be painful and exhausting. But the hunter moon brings us hope, renewal and the promise of adventures to come. It really is a case of go big or go home this month. This next 12 months are going to see some seismic energy shifts and that's professionally personally and also societally so gird your loins and gather your energy it may just be a bumpy ride but that's the excitement isn't it isn't that the adventure of life itself don't forget we're not humans having a spiritual experience here on earth we are spirit having a human experience with all the drama that it entails so with this in mind Buckle up, hold tight and scream if you want to go faster and let's get on with the show. In this week's show, we've got Angel Aura Quartz. It's the featured crystal in Crystal Corner. There will be some more of your listeners' questions. In Mr M's Menagerie, the last supper painting is being discussed and in Household Hocus Pocus, the much maligned walnut is on the menu and in Time for Tarot, the fours are our featured card. So here we go. Today I'm going to introduce you to Angel Aura Quartz, also known as Anandalite. This crystal is a very, very high vibrational crystal and it's actually linked to ascension, chakra alignment and kundalini energy and generally overall general health It's a natural, iridescent, master healing crystal, having all the benefits of clear quartz, but with a much higher energetic vibration, and it links us to the infinite possibilities of the consciousness and ourselves as multidimensional beings. The crystal has a rainbow quality to it, which makes it feel very otherworldly and spiritual, A strong purifier, Angel Aura Quartz has a measurable bioscalar waves of energy which activate the body's natural healing mechanisms and it also gently breaks down and removes any patterns of thinking or behaviour which might actually be affecting the physical. So it's brilliant for releasing emotional trauma and blockages. Aura Quartz has the capability of strengthening the central nervous system, the immune system, and also improving circulation. And it can assist with any kind of inflammation-type conditions. But it's very, very pretty. And each flash of colour has its own power and effect. So it's very useful to have at your disposal, especially if you're a healer yourself or you're in the healing sphere of work. The flashes of blue amplify the aura and they bring peace and harmony. The flashes of brown connect with the spiritual, high vibrational beings and heal the earth. The gold heals the physical circuitry and systems. The green accesses the consciousness and the red motivates the soul. So it's what I call a workhorse of a crystal. It truly is. It's one of my favourites. I hope it'll become one of yours too. And now it's time for listeners' questions. Over to you, Mr M.
1: Thank you, Mel, and hello again, everyone. This week, something slightly different, Mel. It needs a a bit of explaining. It's from our friend here in Sheffield, Rich. Now, Rich recently lost his mum. Ivy, his mum, was an amazing woman with a wicked sense of humour, and she is very much missed by her friends and family. But Rich got in touch with us, and I'm going to read out what he sent us. Okay. Hi Mel, I need your help to explain a very strange event. I turned on my mum's mobile phone this evening to get a number for a family member. The phone had not been switched on since my mum passed away. Whilst getting the number, I happened to click on the photos. To my surprise, the first picture that came up was of my back leaving mum's bedside in A&E at the hospital. But the photo was taken as if looking through mum's eyes. To my knowledge, she never took the phone out of her bag in hospital, and she certainly didn't have it when I left her. I have looked at the phone again, and the picture is gone. It's not in any file, and it's not in the deleted or trash folder. What has happened?
0: Wow, hi Rich, and... (laughs) Much love to you and and Jen. Ivy was an amazing lady, an absolute firebrand and a firecracker, and I miss her greatly. We used to have such a good laugh together. So when I got this message the other night, it it, it choked me up a little bit because I miss her so much. So wherever you are, Ivy, love you to bits. Wow, what what an amazing event! Basically, guys, I'll I'll explain to you that that. I asked Richard if this was actually the last time that he saw his mum with us on the Earth plane and he confirmed that it was. So basically what I think has happened is that the the last image that Ivy has of her beloved son Rich was imprinted on her phone and she was able somehow through technology and through the wonders of spirit because they can do things that we can't even imagine has managed to get that message to her son that she's she's arrived safe and well on the other side and she remembers that poignant moment of the last time that they spent together at the hospital. So it's a nice, lovely little message from from her. When Richard got back in touch with me today, he told me that he'd looked again through the phone and couldn't find it and that the image itself had merged into another image and just disappeared. And my answer to that, Rich, was was that the message had been received and understood. It was no longer required. And so what a shame we haven't got that photograph as as a bit of evidence, but what an amazing and life and love affirming message Ivy has has sent to you. So God bless. Love you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mel. And uh, a big thank you to Rich for getting in touch with us uh, and allowing us to feature what happened to him in this section of the show. Now, if you would like to send Mel a question or have your question feature as a three-card tarot reading, or want to get in touch with us for any other matter, whether it be suggestions for show content, guests, or just to get in touch, then here is how to do so.
0: Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via email, and the address is thespiritlevel22 at gmail.com. On Facebook, on the groups, search for The Spirit Level. On Twitter, search for thespiritlevel.co.uk. We have a Twitter handle, which is at the Spirit Level U, which is a capital U. On Instagram, search for me, Melanie Mahmoud, or thespiritlevel.co.uk. Or you can click on the Speak Pipe link in the episode notes and send us a voicemail free of charge. In addition, there are a number of resources for you to download and access on our website, totally free of charge, at www.thespiritlevel.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you.
1: Welcome to Mr M's Menagerie. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me this week. Our topic in this episode is one of the most famous paintings in the world, The Last Supper, painted by Leonardo da Vinci between 1495 and 1498. From its completion to the present day, it remains on the wall of the refectory in the Dominican monastery of Santa Maria della Grazie in Milan, Italy. Now, like most of Leonardo's paintings, there is a surreal element to the scene depicted, and whilst the subject matter is clearly identified... It hasn't stopped scholars, art enthusiasts and conspiracy theorists all believing that there are a number of hidden messages and clues to Leonardo's own beliefs contained within the scene. First things first though, The Last Supper is not a painting in the traditional sense. It is a fresco, a type of mural painting where freshly laid wet lime plaster is used as a bonding agent for dry powder pigment. Once the plaster sets, The painting, in theory, should become an integral part of the wall. Now, as a painter, da Vinci favoured oil painting as his preferred medium, which enables the artist to work slowly and make any subsequent changes to the composition quite easily. Using his preferred method on the wall, da Vinci first coated the wall with gaso, an animal skin glue mixed with chalk and white pigment. Now this was quite a risky technique as the oil-based paint had a tendency to flake and not bond with the wall. Now this technique did indeed lead to flaking and with the oil-based paint reacting over the years to the smoke and moisture generated in the refectory, this great piece of art is now sadly beyond repair. So as to the painting itself, now I'm sure you are all familiar with what is depicted but for those listeners that may not be aware of the painting, here's just a brief description. The painting shows Jesus sat at a table in company with his 12 disciples. The table has a number of drinking vessels containing red wine on it as well as pieces of bread. The momentous occasion is the Last Supper as recorded in the Gospels when Jesus announces to his disciples that one amongst them would betray him. Da Vinci has attempted to interpret and capture the various facial expressions of the disciples when hearing this news. Jesus is seated and has his disciples sat either side of him. Six on each side. Looking at the painting, the disciples seated to the far left are Bartholomew, James the Lesser, and Andrew, who appear to be grouped together. Next is another group comprising the three figures of Judas, Peter, and John. To the right, as you look at the far right, are another group of three disciples Matthew, Jude, and Simon. And finally, again, grouped in three next to Jesus are Thomas, James the Greater and Philip. Jesus is seen pointing to a piece of bread and at the same time the only other apostle doing so is Judas, lending further weight to the fact that Judas did betray Jesus, as reported in the Gospels, that the one present who broke bread with Jesus would betray him. Now this scene with the bread and the wine that is being drunk forms part of the Eucharist, the bread depicting the body of Jesus and the wine depicting the blood of Jesus, so all very symbolic so far. But a closer inspection of the painting does reveal some interesting things and for this, it may be worth you looking at a picture of The Last Supper by the artist Gian Petrino, made in 1520. He worked with da Vinci and his copy of the painting is currently displayed at the Royal Academy of Arts in London. So let's start with Judas. As mentioned, Judas is the only one of the disciples reaching for bread at the same time as Jesus. He is also the only disciple to be painted with a dark complexion giving rise to the connotation that evil is dark. He is also clutching in his left hand a bag, the presumption being that it contained the 30 pieces of silver Judas acquired for betraying Jesus. Also, just by Judas's left hand, is an upturned cellar of salt. Again, a symbolic description of the Near East saying, betraying the salt, which means, in effect, betraying your master. It could also be argued that spilling salt is a sign of bad luck, and indeed spilling salt in some ancient traditions and cultures meant that the person doing so would be cast into eternal damnation, perhaps fitting for what Judas did indeed do. Turning to Peter, we see his face is angry, and in his right hand you can clearly see him holding a knife. Da Vinci, in portraying this, is indicating Peter's predisposition to violence, which came to fruition a short time later, when upon Jesus being arrested... Peter used a knife to cut off the ear of a Roman soldier. Now, perhaps the most interesting of figures in the painting is the one seated immediately to the left of Jesus as you look. Biblical scholars and many academics state that this, as being a painting of the Twelve Disciples, the figure is that of John. However, a close inspection of this figure tends to suggest someone entirely different. The figure has a very feminine face with delicate features. Around the neck is a necklace, not an item you see on any of the other disciples. Could this be in fact Mary Magdalene? As I mentioned in the episode on the Knights Templar, there is some suggestion that Mary Magdalene was the wife of Jesus, and as such, why wouldn't she be depicted sitting next to her husband? However, this would not and does not hold with the accepted church doctrine that Jesus was unmarried, Da Vinci was known for his heretical views on the church and fell foul of church doctrine on a number of occasions. He was a passionate believer in astronomy and the esoteric, a member of the Freemasons, so his personal views, either written, spoken, or depicted, would have brought him into conflict with the church. What better way for Da Vinci to stick two fingers up to the church than by depicting Mary Magdalene sitting at the right hand of Jesus? thereby completely shattering the church doctrine in respect of Jesus being an unmarried man. In addition, the figure supposedly of John mirrors that of Jesus, suggesting a couple. And in my opinion, da Vinci is clearly portraying Jesus sat with his wife, but he has done so brilliantly, hiding this fact in plain sight. There are other symbolic gestures with regard to the disciples, their demeanour, facial expressions and positioning, and here are some of the other theories regarding their positions and what is depicted in the scene. Da Vinci had an intense interest in astronomy and astrology and there are many academics who put forward the theory that if you draw lines connecting each disciple's face and hand positions they form the symbols of the zodiac starting with Aries on the left as you look at the painting and ending with Pisces on the far right. And in addition, the groupings of the disciples is significant with four distinct groups forming the seasons of the year spring, summer, autumn and winter reading in the same direction as the zodiac signs, with Jesus in the centre depicting the sun. The proportions of the painting and the figures depicted are all interconnected, following a mathematical formula. The proportions of the table, walls, figures, food and drinking vessels are all laid out specifically to this mathematical formula. Now, an Italian musician, Giovanni Maria Palla, has also claimed that he has deciphered a hidden musical score depicted in the painting. In his explanation, Parler states that he marked the pieces of bread on the table and the disciples' hands as musical notes. Parler claims that on doing so, and reading the score from right to left as da Vinci wrote, he produced this piece of music. And, if technology allows, here is what it sounds like. Pretty solemn, I'm sure you would agree, but it just goes to show that The Last Supper has and will continue to inspire people to suggest and theorise about what da Vinci was actually trying to say. There is another theory that if you unite all the musical notes by lines, a type of script appears in ancient cuneiform. The script has been deciphered and translated and turns out to be a sentence written in ancient Hebrew, the sentence being, Bon leisure, ujbi which translates to, with him, consecration and glory. Now, I could go on listing a number of other theories and speculations about what are the secrets the Last Supper holds, but time is against us. What I will say is that da Vinci was one of the most important figures in our history. He led a double life and had to, on the one hand being subservient to the church But on the other, being of an inquiring mind, he appreciated and accepted other religions, teachings and practices that went against the established church order. He was a mathematician, philosopher, artist, sculptor, academic, mystic and teacher. And I'm sure that amongst his writings and paintings, of which the Last Supper is but one, there are a wealth of secrets that da Vinci has hidden in plain sight, waiting for us to discover. So that brings me to the end of this episode – I hope you've enjoyed hearing about the Last Supper painting. Please have a look online. There is a wealth of information about the painting and the theories about it. Some quite thought-provoking, others not so. Now in the next episode of Mr. Holmes' Menagerie, I shall be taking a look at the fabled city of Atlantis. So until next time, thank you for joining me and it's now back to Mel for the rest of the show.
0: Welcome to this week's household hocus pocus and this week folks we have walnuts on our magical menu now walnuts have been used for centuries across many cultures in magical works and because they look like little brains it was always thought eating them would make you smart but magically They work to provide mental clarity and help with decision-making. They're very masculine in energy. They can help with action and planning. And they're also useful for fertility works. Sleep with one under the bed to increase facility. The shells can also be used to hold wishes. So write a wish on a small piece of paper and pop it inside a walnut shell Bury it or burn it to release the intent into the universe and get them out there. Short but sweet, but that's walnut, folks. Welcome to this week's Time for Tarot and this week we're looking at the fours and as ever we will start with the four of wands and the four of wands is a lovely card. It's all about celebration, it's about harmony, marriage, home, community. It can indicate that they are a hard-working couple if you are talking about a romantic kind of spread, their content with their situation and it can also mean not taking any chances. So that's in work or business, or it can also mean that somebody wants to be self-employed. In reverse, it means the exact opposite and it means a breakdown in communication usually and a transition of some kind. But it's the home card. This is the home security card that I feel. The Four of Cups... It's about mediation, apathy and not seeing what is being offered to you. This person could be being offered love, but they've been hurt before. So they don't, they're wary of it. They're, they're unsure of what is being offered. In reverse, it means boredom. It means missed opportunities and being a bit aloof. So on to the four of swords. This is the recuperation, the relaxation, and it's a recovery from physical or emotional issues. It's the rest card, basically. So if this turns up, it usually means somebody needs a break. Uh, It's an obstacle card as well. There's still more to overcome that still needs to be addressed. But there's also a feeling of a lack of energy, which is why the rest is required. In reverse, it means complete burnout. So a lack of progress and restlessness, but it just means absolute burnout. On the four of pentacles, This is all about security, possession, whether that's emotionally or materially. It can mean somebody's being tight-fisted. So they're either being tight-fisted with their emotions, they're not giving enough, or it can mean literally they're being tight-fisted with their money. So it's money spread too thinly as well. So it's that kind of uh, lack feeling. In reverse, it means greed, materialism and self-protection. So that's the fours, folks. And next week, we'll be looking at the threes. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Coming up in next week's show, we have Black Kyanite as the featured crystal in Crystal Corner. There'll be some more of your listeners' questions. And in Mr. M's Menagerie, the lost city of Atlantis is being discussed. Ooh. In Household Hocus Pocus, we move on to rituals and practices. And in Time for Tarot, the threes are our featured cards. A big thank you to Buzzsprout for hosting us and for their technical help and advice. Also to the folks at Audacity and Ophonics. A big thank you to my beloved husband and producer, Mr. M, for his help and continued support. Massive thank you to you guys, our listeners, wherever you may be, for your continued support and your lovely messages. Please subscribe and review our podcast. Your feedback will help us improve the show. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox or via your usual podcast provider. Please visit the website www.thespiritlevel.co.uk where you can book a personal reading with me wherever you are in the world, enrol on one of the courses, browse the online store for the crystals we talk about in Crystal Corner, crystal packs, power bracelets, aromatherapy and scented candles, or to just get in touch. We always love to hear from you. And don't forget, you can send us a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe link in the episode notes or via the podcast page on the website. It's free of charge and no download is required. So until next time, folks, look after each other and love and light to you all.